become Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello and welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. And today on the show, we are going to be discussing our best bad movies or the best worst films. I'm not really sure how you want to put it, but they're the films that we like, even though I would never try and stand in a court of law and tell you they were actually any good. <laughs> they just work for me. They're those one. They're those films that you just look at and you go, "I find some enjoyment out of it." I know that the critics hate it, and I know a lot of people hate it, but there's just some semblance of me that enjoys it. Yeah, that's it. for whatever reason. Because obviously, as we always say, movies are totally objective anyway. So mm-hmm. if you don't agree with this list, fair enough. You're probably not going to. We'd be very interested to hear your list, which leads me quite nicely onto my next point. Uh, if you want to join the conversation with us, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the screen masters, or you can tweet us at the SM underscore pod. Uh, if you want to check out the YouTube stuff, you can go to bit.ly forward slash biteBackYT. Uh, the byte is spelt as a computer byte, not a food byte. I think that's all the admin for today. So me being me, of course, we need to turn to some words. So, once again, continuing the theme I started last night. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. This is a song used in a TV show that I am watching at the minute, for those that don't know. And I am going to give Fluffy the song lyrics from a song, not particularly mm-hmm. the standout song necessarily from it, but a song from that show. Uh, and we'll see whether anyone at home can work out what I'm watching and whether he can work out what I'm watching before I actually tell him uh, so that he can <laughs> get all his notes together for it. Uh, so today we're going to turn to the words of Belle Biv DeVoe. Uh, and which bit should we go for? Let's go for that one. It's driving me out of my mind. That's why it's hard for me to find. Can't get it out of my head. Miss her, kiss her, love her. Wrong move, you're dead. That girl is poison. Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Now I know immediately what TV show comes to mind yes, for me. Yes, And it is not that TV show. Okay. Because that would be too obvious. Okay. But it is used in a sequence. Okay. Um, I'm going to need, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to need a, a, a song or two more. I'm yeah, beginning no, to get an impression. But if I do that, then I'm going to ruin the suspense. I think the, and... first, the fourth song was, would have been suitable for a prom, maybe like a, you know, closing song at a prom. That's how I yeah, yeah, say Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's more of a, I don't know, like a dance competition or something, or like a dance. Oh, God. Okay. I'm, uh, okay. Something okay. Like but maybe, maybe You've said it. that, and I'm pretty sure I know exactly the scene, and I know exactly the character, but I'm going to refrain from saying I need, yeah, I've built it up now. I know what it is. I know what it is, but I'm going to, I'm going to let the, because the, there are a number of seasons. If I'm correct, there are a number of seasons, and I think another song or two, and I'll nail it. I'm fairly certain I know. I'm 99.9% certain. You just because I may run slightly too far. You were, I think you went a bit too far. I think you did work a bit too far. But the, the, the enjoyment. Yeah, okay. Um, and yes, obviously, I am trying to race through all of it because I do want to talk about it. Of course. I've not spoken to anyone about it before because I've not seen it. Anyway, uh, so we've done our words. We've done all that. We've done the admin. So, news. What have you watched? Have you seen anything? What do you want to tell us about? 
So, what have I been watching? Um, so, I finished off um, the series that I've mentioned previously, So They're Opposites, which was uh, co-created by Justin Roiland. Um, definitely one I'll encourage you to watch. I think it will be one that we will perhaps do an episode on because it's a you know it's a short series it's a 10 episode series uh you know i think like our rick and morty ones i think it's uh, it's short enough sweet enough there's a little bit of fun content in there uh there's some overarching stuff which goes through the season uh really dark in some places really funny in some other places so that was very enjoyable it was kind of one of those uh shows where again just complete utter zany comedy but again, just like Rick and Morty does, uh, you know, there's a little bit of emphasis of heart in there. That there's there's a serious note at times, um, and so the opposites does does appear to have this. There are some absolutely cracking, funny moments in it. Um, uh, uh, just just to give a, a throwaway one, they're kind of um, two two of the characters are creating a man cave at one point. Uh, because they, you know, they're aliens and they don't understand necessarily what a man cave is. Uh, and the guy's talking about, oh yeah, it's nice to go to the to the man cave and, and having a cold one. So when they build a man cave themselves, they make a fridge, a fridge freezer, and uh, and yeah, so they open up the fridge and they grab uh, an, an ice block of a number one out of it, and you just kind of it just takes a moment. I was like, they they just grabbed a cold one. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So there's th- that is the kind of level of humor at times that you get. And there's some other stuff. So that was, that was very, very enjoyable. Um, I've also started watching Hannah uh, on, uh, on Amazon prime. Um, I'd, I'd kind of, I've not, I've not seen the series. Though. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, it's completely opposite to, uh, well, completely separate in, in many respects. I think it takes um, liberties from it perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's very different. Um, a couple of bits of, uh, struck out to me as being very intriguing it is this kind of spy thriller espionage uh coming of age thing I, unfortunately i can see for see where part of this is going already um do you remember uh dark angel way back when uh yeah i, I know the show i never watched it okay yeah. uh, which starred jessica alba about a girl who uh, and her brothers and sisters who kind of genetically altered to be you know super soldiers very much in line with this um so unfortunately i can already foresee some of the eventual plot points but even still very enjoyable i think the actress who's playing hannah is very good i mean this is a you know a young girl who's pretty brutal uh in murdering people at one point and you kind of go hmm, okay yeah she's she's pretty badass um so i'll give her credence for that the other thing that i have just watched uh that this was only just last night uh was the second season of Umbrella Academy, which I know... Well, well, yeah, it's been recording. It only released yesterday. Yes. So, uh, but that was very, very enjoyable. Uh, Very much was looking forward to that one. Um, I had a few issues with the first season, as we discussed before, uh, with Ellen Page's character, but more to do with the relationship she had with with the guy. I don't think he really brought out the best in in the character and the best in the actress. Happy to say she is a lot better, um, a lot more fun, uh, a lot happier than this t- this time around. Another love interest as well, uh, but in a different sense. I won't say too much on that because I think uh, you know I think it may be a show that we might do uh, do an episode on in the future. Um, but again, the, the cast are all just fantastic in this. Um, nice to see where the, where the story goes. This whole kind of Armageddon play out, uh, time travelly elements. There there is a, a point in it, and and I will. 
laugh because when we get to it, you, you know, when, if and when you watch it, it takes you back to an episode of Red Dwarf, oddly enough. Yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 no. In the sense of what they do oh, right, or what okay. one of them is intending to do. So just to kind of put it into context, season two is they've been flung back in time uh, to the 1960s. And it's uh, about a week before the Kennedy assassination. And one of the one of the yeah. And one of the cast members or one of the characters, Diego, he, he seems to think it's his responsibility and it's his duty to stop the assassination of jfk now just because you sought the assassination of jfk doesn't mean the world's gonna as we know from the red dwarf thing yes he was a great person but he was also a womanizer a philanderer and a complete and utter bastard so these are the things and this is the thing it's like the the beauty of time travel and this is quite quite why i enjoyed this shows the beauty of time travel at times doesn't always necessarily make itself as easy because you kind of go well hang on a minute is time linear or is this alternative so there's all those kind of questions so i think that again that's why i think you might enjoy this one uh that that time teller time travel sci-fi element academy i do think i will so i don't know when (laughs) obviously as with both of us we have a list and it's long Mm -hmm. but yeah it's not very long is it it's like 10 episodes each season uh yeah 10 episodes per season yeah so yeah it's, it's something i can get around to yeah, I mean, I managed to watch it yesterday. I started uh, about half five and I finished at like one in the morning. But you know me, I'm a, I'm a bulk watcher like that. And you absolutely are. How about yourself? Sorry, sip of water. It's very warm today. Very, yeah, very warm today. We're in the same room together. Um, if there was any microphone problem in the beginning of this episode, guys, I apologize. I think Fluffy was actually getting picked up on my microphone uh, because I, uh, I've obviously got the game turned up so much because I'm used to being in my own room on of my course. own. So. Apologies if it was a bit echoey to start with. It shouldn't be now. Um, Nobody here wants to hear two of me. No, well, you know, we've had the echo problems before, and we thought we were over it. But yes, I could, I could see, uh, I could see the old uh, thing peeking through my microphone while you were talking. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, that's not good. Anyway, um, um, yeah, yeah no, I, I, not a lot. Obviously, we've been prepping for this episode. There was quite a lot of stuff I wanted to watch for this episode, um, so I watched a lot of that. The only thing I would say is I watched. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Just you know, random films. A couple of random films I really enjoy. Last night, uh, decided ended up watching Independence Day, the original, which I adore. I think we've probably discussed it before. Yeah, I quoting my uh, quoting the old speech in that. Um, and then watched Snatch. And God, that film is so goddamn funny. Uh, was that out at the the cinema at the time? Yeah, that we, yeah I thought so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, it was. I know for me, it was the first. Um, you know, free screening that I got to go to, stuff. Mm. That was the first one because I believe it came out in like the August of the year I started at the cinema. And it, yeah, I started in the August or the September, and yeah, that was the first thing I watched for free as a staff screening. Um, but yeah, just so many fucking quotable lines, and some of it is just great writing, but then some of it is the actors making the lines so much funnier than they have any right to be, particularly. Yeah. Lenny James, I noticed this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, as Sol. Yeah, he's Sol, isn't he? The mm-hmm. Vincent. Um, just, it, it's the, the lines like, what oh, was that in? Oh, I don't know. I didn't have time to get the binoculars out. Just <laughs> fucking. Uh, uh, this is it. I'm just like. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. 
Is it Tyrone, you Fucking, silly yeah, fat that's it. bastard. And Dave, uh, our mate Dave Paul from Phil and Dave, if you're if you listening, mate, you'll remember. Uh, I know me and him spent many, many hours just sitting going, ah, oh, Tyrone, you silly fat bastard. And again, that whole sequence I adore because he's like, yeah. you know these two tits, Errol? I oh, know a lot of tits, Governor. I don't know when quite. <laughs> and then here he comes. Oh, Tyrone, yeah, you silly fat bastard. Yeah, uh, yeah. So much the the, the Vinnie Jones's speech about the big dick and the balls and yeah. precipitating and the fact yeah. that your guns have got replica written down the side and the fact that mine's got Desert Eagle point five oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, the thing and is, you... Boris in the fucking yeah, don't take the piss, Boris. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, even even looking back now. I mean, obviously we we know you know your Brad Pitts, your Jason Stathens, but you know Stephen Graham's in there. It's some of the 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 characters, like you say, Lenny James, and you kind of go, holy shit! Yeah, you forget some of these people are in here. Uh, You know what? It's not one I've watched in a long time. Is it? Was it on Netflix? Uh, No, it was on Sky. Okay, I've got a check. I've got a check. You know what? It's one of those ones I've not watched. In a very, 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 very long time, you know. What this, this, that yeah. I discovered the other day that I was going to bring up actually just then. You've just reminded me. Mm. There's a website, website I found. That- oh, oh, my sincere apologies. Yeah. yeah, let's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought yeah. I'll check. I'll check Netflix. Netflix, Netflix. Netflix. It also plays everything. Yes, I'm, I'm um, no, it's better it's than it's that. Go to a website called JustWatch.com. Mm-hmm. Type in the film you want to watch, and it tells you what platforms it's. Uh, okay, fair play. It takes into account all the major streaming services, so that was fantastic. Because for the problem I had, and again, I don't know whether you found the same thing with some of these shit films, was actually trying to find fucking legitimate copies of them. Yes, it isn't always easy. Go out and buy. Oh and God. The other one. Well, I, I don't care. I didn't realize I didn't own it. To be honest. Oh, wow. um, I mean, if you want to own it, that's the thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, the other one, I had to search this thing in. I ended up having to fucking pay for it on Amazon to watch it in the end. Oh, God. No, but, I could generally yeah. find something. Um, but yeah, just watch.com. Good website. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, uh, other than those couple of bits, and like I say, I could sit here quoting Snatch all day, and I'm not going to, but, uh, <laughs> no. you know, Diamonds. What do I know about Diamonds? If there's anyone out there that hasn't watched it, go and watch it. I tell you what, I've not seen um, I've not seen his latest one actually, The Gentleman, which I think I've not seen it yet. I know I mentioned the trailer ages and ages it's... ago, but I've not actually seen the film yet. But part of me was going like, oh wow, that looks like a you know, I hope that's a return to form. No, no. Um, yeah. uh, the thing for me is it's 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 a very weird one. Like as soon as he kind of moved past Snatch and then tried to stretch out a little bit more. It just wasn't as enjoyable. Well, I'm trying to remember the one he did with uh, Jason Statham, Andre Benjamin. Um, Revolver? Was it Revolver? And it was all about well, Kabul. Statham had long hair and Ray Liotta was in it. Yes, that's it. it. Fucking ass. You know, it was that film that directors make that they make for themselves. Yeah. And they get all pretentious and shit. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to anyone no. unless you know all the touchstones that the director is riffing on at that stage. Yeah. And yeah, it was a piece of shit. And then obviously he did like swept away and shit, which was even worse. Yeah, and he did uh I mean that was the thing, like even uh, what what attracted me as well, he, he had uh, uh Big Puss from uh Sopranos was in it as well as one of the characters and I was a bit like, Oh okay, stretching out a little bit. Andre Benjamin, he's he's very good sometimes in, in what he does. I mean, um, you know, I've seen him in a few things. But yeah, as a whole I was like I was just confused, scratching my head most of it, just going this is just weird. Uh, and it seems to be he he's done 
did he do he did the two Sherlock Holmes films, which Yeah, I, I thought they were all right, but they I, were, I did want to be back whether that's Downey Jr.'s charisma carrying. Yeah, I mean again, I mean I don't love either of them over the you know much. I d I don't again rate Jude Law as, as much of an actor um or a presence on screen. I think he just kinda of sucks for me. But um yeah, he just seems to have gotten worse as time goes on. That's the thing. Sometimes some of these actors, uh, sorry, some of these directors, their best stuff is always, you know, to begin with. Again, look at you, Kevin Smith. No offense to Kevin Smith, but his best stuff was early. Uh, you know, it kind of peaked for me at Dogma. After that, it kind of slid yeah, off. Um, and so that's I mean, the thing. You sometimes. Like Tusk? No, no. I mean, I can tolerate Jersey Girl, but I think that's more because. Uh, I've just got a bit of a soft heart for the story. Um, yeah. But, you know, Jay and Silent Bob is not a visual masterpiece. Uh, you know, Jay and Silent Bob the reboot, it, it's quirky in places, but it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Dogma for me was his peak, and uh, I don't see he's ever going to... And, and it's the same with this. I think Snatch is always going to be Guy Ritchie's best. Uh, Lockstock was nice, but Snatch was always the, the winner for me. took the, the core of Lockstock and improved upon it made it better see what one other thing i will just mention because obviously we we are usually fans of the wrestling again i'm still not watching very much at the minute while there's no fans but um my daughter was watching an episode of the nickelodeon show thundermans the other night um the other day with my son and uh they one of the children was dating someone and their parents were mma fighters uh do you want to have a guess at the wrestler that was playing the mma fighter oh goodness me no one big don't think a-list don't think A-list. But you've just reminded me by mentioning... It's going to be The Miz or something stupid? Jericho. Jericho. Oh, God. Well... Uh, I tell you, he wasn't bad, actually. He wasn't no, bad. At least, uh, at least I will say, uh, compared to some of them, uh, you know, at least he actually trains with uh, an, an MMA yeah, fighter. Yeah. I know that he's trained with uh, with a certain, certain person. I, I, I want to say his name, but I can't without singing. And uh, No, I'll just say his name. Batista. Ah, what That has to happen. Uh, <laughs> they're good friends, and I know that they've trained together. And uh, at, at Batista's gym, uh, which is an MMA, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, gym. Yeah, but yeah, he was quite funny actually. They gave him a mullet. It was obviously the time where he had his short hair. Sure. So they just gave him loads of hair extensions down the back, and he was really he loved his hair. But everyone kept calling it, a, you know, taking the piss out of him. It's quite funny anyway. And he was a better actor. You know, he wasn't bad. He wasn't amazing. But he was better than the big show, Mick Foley, <laughs> Mark Henry, and Rikishi combined. He did appear in uh, the, the Jane Silent Bob reboot as like a, a white supremacist leader or something. And he is absolutely fucking hilarious. In that. That's He's the KKK leader. And you just kind of laugh and you go, oh, Jericho. But again, he can get away with this he shit because he's just, you know, he's Jericho. And he's fucking Jericho. Brilliant. Okay, so let's talk about shit films. Now, again, this episode will not really, I don't think, certainly not on my part, be a negative episode. I don't intend to tear these films apart. I think the reasons that these films are bad are fairly self-evident, certainly in the case of the ones I've gone for. What I'm going to do is tell you why I like them and what I Mm -hmm. find in them that I enjoy. Um, to try and explain it. But again, it's a, it's an objective thing, as we know. Um, but we, there were some ground rules for this. Mm-hmm. So the key is the film has to be played straight. It has to, uh, not necessarily not a comedy, but it has to be played straight. It has to be serious. It's not 
tongue-in-cheek spoofing anything. Yeah. So examples of that would be something like Snakes on a Plane, uh, the Sharknado movies, even, uh, Christ, how far does this go? This goes right back to episode one. Uh, Leprechaun Returns. <laughs> was it Returns? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I can't remember what it was called now. But Wasn't there Leprechaun in Space or something as well? Yeah, that was when I was getting... Yeah. You know what? I'm thinking about it, actually. I'm sure I said in that episode that I was going to watch all of them. I've never watched another fucking one <laughs> since. Um, there's no chance I'm going to sit and watch a fucking Leprechaun film. Piss off. Um, that was a stupid thing to say. But, um, yeah, that, that sort of shit is done tongue-in-cheek and is self-aware and is making fun of itself as it goes along. So what we're looking for are films that are played straight, that are failures, either critically, commercially, whatever, but, you know, are generally considered by an objective viewer to be a poor film. But for us, for some reason, we like them. And that's what we're going to do, is, is tell you why we are picking these shit films. So, I reckon it's probably worth, I don't know about you, but we're, we're going to do a top three. Top three. And honourable uh, mentions. Exactly. Let's, yeah. I've got a couple of honourable mentions, or a few that I've watched that I think are worth mentioning. So, uh, go on, I'll throw it to you. You, you Give us some honourable mentions. Okay, um, so honourable mention number one is one that we've already discussed. Um, and so I, during this, obviously, we did a bit of research because it was that kind of thing of, okay, let's have a look and see what the, the internet or the world says about Indeed, what yeah. is the best, worst, better, you know, good movies and all this. Um, there's a lot of debate over some of them. Um, some things appear frequently. Um, yeah, you get a, there, are, there is a common thread, isn't there? With yes, there is a common thread. There are certain films where I'm like, I've never even seen this film. I, I can't even comment on this. There are some films which, of course, they're going to be in there. Uh, there was one like there's stuff like even Armageddon, which I was like, you know what? I understand where that's coming from. Um, it's, a, it's a trashy ninety. It, it, it is. It's- Independence Day is a trashy. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think the thing with Armageddon is because it comes out against Deep Impact, and then you watch one, and it's all the big flashy stuff, and then you watch the other, and you're like, actually, this has got a lot more heart and a lot more substance to it than this one has. Mm, it's it's, other... it's weird. It's it's a very weird juxtaposition. Yeah, I agree. With those. Name two other. Sorry, just to go on that point. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there was that period in time because, as you say, we got Armageddon, Meteor hits the Earth mm-hmm. story, but that's the big action take on it, and then mm-hmm. we got Deep Impact, which, as you say, was the more heartfelt one. Both released in the same year. Two other films, well, there's four other films in total, did the same thing, but on different subjects. So there were two released about volcanoes. Yep, Dante's and Peak and Volcano. And then, and again, Volcano was the actiony one. Yep, Dante's, Dante's Peak was Peak the heart. Was and guess what? The heart won. Exactly. Plus, also, it had, plus it had Bond in it, so you know. Mars. Can you remember those two? Which one, sorry? There were two films about Mars released in the same year as well. Uh, by the way these weren't all released in the same year but there was a period of about three years where like similar to the same type of film came out Mission to Mars because that was Brian De Palma and then it was oh god yeah I'm trying to remember the name of the film something surviving Mars nope easier than that what do we call Mars Mars it is the what color red one? planet, the red planet. Thank yeah. you. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you just reminded me. I've always looked back <laughs> to that period. And gone, yeah. Why did they do that? Yeah. That's so weird that they released these films at the same, t- you know, in yeah. the same year. It's such a strange thing to do. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so we, this is one that we, we'd spoken about, and I was I was surprised on one hand that this was on this list, but again, based on what we discussed about it last time, is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? I'm going to throw Demolition Man in there. 
Because according to a lot of sites, Demolition Man is classed as one of these bad movies. Now, I can understand part of it, um, mm-hmm. and and it's the little things here. I've you know I've got kept kept it. I kept the the one that I found, and it was just like, oh yeah, uh, now all restaurants are Taco Bell, which is a direct quote from from Sandra Bullock's character, and she also explains about the franchise wars, which. You know what? Plausibly, in this day and age, I could for, certainly foresee happening. I could see um, and, you know, again, there's still all the silliness of it all, you know, cryogenically unfreezing uh, Wesley Snipes and how that whole went about and uh, and then doing the same with Stallone and he's got his little fetal position and uh, he's still buff like a son of a bitch, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know the the uh, the, the seashells and, and basically scratching your ass with seashells instead of toilet yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah. Still she don't understand that. that to, to this day. It, it's all the, the 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 computer bit. Yeah. Murder, death, kill. murder, death, murder, kill. kill. Yeah, murder, death, kill. Um, if you swear, three credits for blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, like you know, Sandra Bullock's like, "Oh, do you want to come back to mine and have sex?" And puts this weird contraption on his head, and she's like, "Yeah, we don't do physical contact." Like when they go to give each other high fives, they kind of wave hands in the air, but they don't touch. Yep. You know what? I swear to God, I'm watching this and thinking about this, and I'm like. Yep. Are you, are you predicting everything that's going on at the moment? Because we didn't hug. When, normally, we hug when we, we see each other. That's just a, a thing you, 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 me, and the boys will do. Uh, we're, we're huggers. But we can't hug these days. And it's very bizarre when we, you know, when we see each other. It's like, I can't hug. And, uh, yeah. So this was just hilarious because I was like, how appropriate. Like, the world is quite literally falling to shit around us. Franchise wars could happen if all these restaurants end up going bust. And Taco Bell, apparently, is the only one that survives. Um, I was in uh, Northampton, which is close to us, uh, yesterday, and there's a fucking Taco Bell over there. I have never seen a Taco Bell in this country mm. in my entire life. Obviously, I don't live in London. I'm sure there are probably loads in London, but someone will at me. But yeah, I was absolutely astonished. I was like, shit, there's a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Do, do I try it? Yeah. <laughs> is it any good? I don't know. Um. So the next one, and uh, and this is the funny thing, because uh, you're obviously sat with me, you're, yeah, you're actually, yeah, sure you're seeing myself. stuff on what's on screen, so it's been a bit ruined for you because you don't get the surprise, no, but like, anyway, this yeah, that's fine. Uh, another one, and I mean, I couldn't help but talk about good, bad movies without referencing this, and it's Showgirls, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 1995 erotic drama as it was. Um, with that girl uh, that was in Saved by the Bell, which always made everybody chuckle and go, how's the girl from Saved by the Bell? Uh, and this is just one of the trashiest films of all time. And I remember watching it way back when and just going, this is so trashy. But I was also young enough to go, ooh, boobs. Um, and uh, It's funny, yeah. when you look back at it now, there are some of the least sexy sex scenes in that film. Oh, God, yeah. Like, because like yeah. you said, yeah, when I was an 18 year old or whatever it was, you're like, oh, boobs on screen. But then, yeah, when you actually watch it back as an older person, you're like, oh, actually, that isn't sexy at all. Yeah. <laughs> that looks fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm particularly thinking about the pool sex scene, which is infamous. But uh, yeah, it, it looks fucking insane. It is. Uh, it, this is the thing. I know that it's gone down as like one of. The, the cultiest films ever uh, and they, they they do shows all over the place like they do you know watch do things and this that horror, yeah yeah they yeah exactly yeah rocky and go and watch and sing along to rocky horror apparently the same sort of thing happens in showgirls but my thought is what you dress as strippers and go and watch it yeah quote lines at it i mean it? i don't know. this 
the room apparently has the same sort of following. So. This is correct. Yeah, the room appeared a lot in these. Yes, um, that the the room appeared a lot in a lot of these lists. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean, this is if it's been made since two thousand and five or whatever features the room. This is the film that was supposed to propel is Elizabeth Berkeley into. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to be a, you know good at. She was dropped by her you know her agents as soon as this film came out because it was so fucking bad. But she seems to have you know survived that career bashing, uh, and now she's making a Save by the Bell. Remake with um, the guy who played Slater. Oh Christ, Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez, he's yeah. Like a, a TV presenter. Yeah, he's he's quite big in in America. Yeah, um, but uh, this is just one of those trashy, terrible films that you'll never ever forget watching because it's just that horrendous um and it, you know it's so funny because so many people have, have looked back at this and gone oh you know this is so terrible but it survives this cult following even to this day so even bad films you know can can come out in the end and that's the thing sometimes people love watching a bad film and even uh, you know even she has gone on film as saying you know yeah it wasn't the best film for me but it put me on the map and that it did yeah you can't argue with that uh, and then I'm going to pick one one more film before before we crack my my top three. Uh, and again, another one that we touched on, and another one which it, you wouldn't necessarily go, um, you know, it is is a bad film, but it is portrayed as in many respects as a bad film, which is Con Air. Um, Wait, what? No, 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 no. According to the lists, that's why. Uh, yeah, according to the lists, Con Air. Yeah, and so. Oh. This is the thing. Now, the reason for... Like, is that your car? Yeah. His car flies off yeah, in yeah. the distance. Uh, that's it. So I, I looked into why. So it was uh, obviously the performances of Nick Cage. Just be, oh, I'm Nick Cage. Uh, I, I like my, my baby girl. Uh, yeah. So, so, so fucking hilarious. Um, just the, the constant ridiculous stunts that he goes through. Like his ridiculous hair apparently is one of the things which, which was big on this list. Uh, John Cusack trying to be the... Uh, the hero, where he's everyone looks at him, he's like, really? Like people forget, goes point blank. What a fantastic film that was with Mini Driver and, and John Cusack. No, this is just his yeah. different case. But you know, you look at something like 2012. I don't think he's really. Yeah. Oh god, no, that King was Adam. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, very much slipped off the radar. Um, but again, he did do high fidelity. Fantastic in high fidelity. I will not watch the remake that they did. I just won't do it. Um, and yeah, it's a TV now. series on. No, I'm watching the. Hang on. It was it t- got turned into a TV series, and I think it had Zoe Kravitz in it, which is funny because her mum starred in the original film. Yeah. Which is uh, right, uh, yeah, and and John Malkovich's performance was kind of brought up in this and stuff. I thought it was, you know, again, like I said, I love hilarious John Malkovich, where he's uh, this diabolical, maniacal kind of crazy person. Steve Buscemi being the the absolute bonkers, uh, you know, whether he was a cannibal or what, I've, I've no fucking idea. It'd be weird, isn't it? His story. Because his story is very weird. Really sick fuck, and you think he's killed a child halfway through, yeah. and then you see that the child's perfectly fine and waving him off as the plane flies off. Yeah. Like, oh, so are you a child molester, yeah. rapist, or whatever you're supposed to be, or are you not? It's very um, and and then you know, again, you um, you get to the final bit, and it's it's just that the cheesy ass music. Uh, how could I live without you? Isn't it? 
And it's just so, ah, uh, and that's the thing. It's, um, uh, uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. It is indeed Leanne Rhymes. Yes. Well done. Well done for that, man. Why I'm happy I knew that. <laughs> um, so that was it. It was just, like I say, just when I was going through the list, I was like, hilarious that this is on it because we talked about it before. So I was like, okay, I'll, in- I'll include it. Um, how about, how about yourself? Come on. What's your. Uh, not honourables. My honourables. Okay, so a couple of these were suggested to me uh, by uh, our good friend Dave on our uh, sister podcast. He he reminded me of a period in John Carpenter's career around the millennium. Uh, so two vampires, John Carpenter's vampires mm-hmm. in 1998 and mm-hmm. John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars in 2001. I was like, yeah, you know what? I, they're, sh- they're, they're shit, I know that much, but let's go and have a look. And I was like, mm, I don't think Vampires is going to do it for me, but maybe Ghosts of Mars because it's got the Stath in it. And I am a big fan of the Stath and Ice Cube and... You know, that might be okay. Nah, they're shit. <laughs> they're, both, they're both really bad. I don't like it. I don't like them. Particularly Ghosts of Mars, the music absolutely fucking destroys that film for me. It's it's too it's heavy metal and it's too much a lot of the time because you're just there's a quiet bit and they're trying to build tension with silence and who's hiding in the shadows, and then the next second it's going no, 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 no. Um I was like, shit, I wonder who did the music. Checked at the end. Anthrax. Anthrax, Buckethead, and John Carpenter himself are listed as having done the music for Ghosts of Mars. <clears throat> but yeah, it just made me think what the fuck happened to him at this point. I don't I don't really know what happened to him. Um and yeah, I, I like some of the cast in both films, but yeah, there was no one of them that could save it for me. Like I, I like James Woods in Vampires, but not really any of the rest of the cast are any good. No, um... all a bit hokey and a bit shit looking. Uh, I'd forgotten the Baldwin brother that's in it because it's the Baldwin brother whose name I don't fucking know. It's uh, I've just so I've just it, it is Daniel Baldwin. So um, Stephen, I know. Adam, yes, Adam yes, Adam yes. The fourth one, or the, oh, there might be more actually, but it, it always eludes sure me. Uh, yeah, no, this is oddly enough one film which, uh, as we've discussed before, uh, a certain family member of mine uh, does uh, uh, does kind of distribution of. Uh, Blu-rays, DVDs, and things like that uh, called indicator films. Uh, you can go and have a look at all of the various title uh, on powerhousefilms.co.uk. Um, cheap, cheap plug indeed. Uh, th- now, this, this, I mean, the collection that they have there is absolutely. Say, to be fair, they've sent you every single DVD. I have got most DVDs now. I mean, probably plug them at some point. I, 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 yeah, I should plug them, and I have, I have promised that we will do one at, at some point in the future. The thing is, is that the. The backlog here is, uh, is is a lot more uh, old school films uh, and a lot of there's like Hammer Horror. I am not a horror fan, so you know these these are films which will sit there and probably gather dust a little bit. But I've still got them part of the collection if I ever need to. Uh, but yeah, so this is one of of many. Um, but yeah, again, like you say, Jimmy Woods in that one. I mean, it's just so cringeworthy at times, and uh, you know. It, it, it's funny because you watch Jimmy Woods in some films and he is absolutely horrendous. And you watch him in other ones and you kind of go, there's a little, there's some, there's a quality about you for this film. What is it? Um, I remember watching him in, uh, I think it was Sophia Coppola's first film, The Virgin Suicides. And he plays uh, the father of the girls who, you know, oddly enough, all commit suicide, but that's a whole other thing. And he's very compelling in that because he's playing it straight faced. He's not playing kind of one of these zany characters. He's playing this very loving uh, and protective father. And then, yeah, you watch him in something like this and you go, 
fucking hell, like, uh, how many drugs were you on at the time? Because he is coked out of his head on this thing. Um, Yeah, so those two didn't make it, unfortunately. Um, And then just a few others that popped into my head. Um, I should probably mention Die Hard 4.0. Because as we mentioned in episode five, I die hard pentology. I like how I it's. I like. I like how you are pegging this because it is a bad film. It's a bad film. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That, but, <laughs> I, I, I like it, and you know, we that's discussed fine. why. Go back and listen to episode five. Basically, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Tim Oliphant. Mm-hmm. But um, Final Destination three, as well. Um, I feel that one because some of them towards the end, sort of the six. The fifth one, and then was there a sixth? I can't remember now entirely. But um, the, the the fifth one certainly starts to go tongue in cheek, understands itself, and starts twisting things to to go tongue in cheek with it. The third one is the best one of all, playing it straight, but being ridiculous at the same time. Um, and maybe that's on the list because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. Um, and then the last one I would mention would be Deep Blue Sea, from from the time when you got. You've got a rapper to star in your film, so that he could come up with an amazing, uh, he could come up with an amazing theme tune that goes something along the lines of "Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin." Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's mm-hmm. fin. So you know, yay. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's nothing much to say about those. I just I'll, I'll reel them off because they were a few that that made it into my long list, as it were, but did not make it into my top three. So you've got some interesting ones there, and I think one of yours is going to cause controversy, but um, not with me, but I think it's going to cause controversy. Is it this one? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Fair play. I think some people are going to go with the tab on the far right. Oh, okay. Fair play. I think some people would very much disagree with you that that's a bad film. No, no. Like I say, it's not me. It's it's the critics and, and what people are saying online. I've done some good research into this. I've tried very hard. So okay. come on. Anyway, let's pass it back to you. That's my, that's okay. my honourable mention. I'm not going to say any more on them because. That's fine. Um, so the first one that I'm going to go with now. This was uh, yeah, having a look around. There's a lot of films where I was like, okay, I enjoyed this, but it was one of those films where I was like, did I enjoy it enough? Is it classed as a bad film, and I still enjoyed it? Or yeah, it was very hard in yeah. some ways to to determine whether it was a good film that I enjoyed or whether it was a bad film that I enjoyed. Um, so the first one that I picked was Hackers, um, nice. because the reason that again it's got this, it's still got this cult classic kind of following. But if you actually watch it now, there are so many bad things about it. Um, when you compare to, you know, obviously it was ridiculous in the sense of uh, all of the the CG. Well, I say the CG stuff, the computer generated stuff which they had for hacking. Uh, the, the overall plot points. Now, obviously, we're in the world of, of the digital age now where the internet is so much more prevalent and, and it's reached so many more corners of the earth, whereas this was not the case way back when. Um, this guy, you know, gets banned from computers and, and phones when he's, uh, you know, at like the age of what is it, 11 here. Yeah, so from the age of 11 to 18, he's not allowed to touch computers or phones because he's, you know... He crashed a bunch of computer systems way back when he was a kid, um, you know, and he affected the stock market. So he's not supposed to be touching it, then gets kind of involved in the hacker life again, introduced to various people. And they're all kind of these hackers each have their own identity, their own uh, little following of people as well. They, you know, kind of, I don't even know what it would, whether it would be 
YouTube or whatever equivalent of video, you know, that they were doing way back when. There's loads of people that seem to know that they're all hackers and stuff like this. They've all got unique kind of viruses and things like this and the graphics that come up. Um, and, you know, you've got these little lights that go into computers and it's like zooming down the fiber wire and all this kind of stuff. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, the, the plot itself is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the love story between Johnny Lee Miller and uh, and a very young, but still very attractive, uh, Angelina Jolie. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was when she was... She got too thin as she got older. Yeah, yeah. There's a, called Gia. That's, yes. That's that's the, the, the softcore porn one. Yes, the, yeah, Angelina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, again, but it's it's some of the other the actors that you kind of forget are in here as well. Lorraine Bracco, which really surprised me, who's uh, from The Sopranos as well. Um, and um, one that's absolutely going to tickle you because I remembered this way back when uh, from, from watching The Wyatt. Did you know Wendell Pierce, Bunk himself, is in Hackers? No. Yes, he is. He is one of the US Secret Service agents. He's kind of the, the kind of overweight... Uh, African-American guy that's kind of sat with, uh, oh, Christ, I'm trying to remember the, uh, Fisher Stevens, that's it. Uh, Yeah, he's kind of his right-hand man, so to speak, kind of the, and it's Wendell Pierce. So that's how, you know, like I say, there's just some funny, funny things about this. Uh, It's, you know, like I say, it's the whole kind of the hacker, uh, this cyberpunk side of things. And it was just ridiculous, um, you know, all of the things that they got involved in, uh, you know, the, the the fact that they've got all these names, uh, you know, Zero Cool, Acid Burn, Serial Killer, Lord Nikon, the Phantom Freak, the Plague, like each hacker has to have his own cool name and stuff like Which this. Equivalent to your avatar's name in video games these days. I yes. Suppose, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like say a little, you know ahead of its time as well then yeah so i, but I don't think i could go as bob smashley on on as a <laughs> yeah. it, it really wouldn't work um and steve the cockney pirate well, steve the cockney pirate only works in one game anyway <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um but yeah, like i say it was just it was just such a ridiculous film way back when it had a little bit of a budget behind it it was obviously aiming for a particular crowd and like i say it's uh, it, it's got that cult classic following. Um, it didn't do massive at the box office, but it also didn't do bad. It's one of these films which I'm surprised in some ways they haven't rebooted or tried to redo in some fashion. I suppose we're we're heading towards that now, aren't we? Because like I say, if they've remade shit like Flatline, that was too late ages, yeah. something like that. So uh, yeah, you can't be far off. Yeah, shit like- yeah. I mean, this is mid '90s, um, you know, and it's. It, yeah, it, it, it's especially given what's going on today, uh, you know, constant issues with cybersecurity and things like this. It's it's something that will come about uh, at some point, I'm sure. Um, again, mediocre performances from, from most of the cast. Uh, you know, it was just the love story between these two attractive people who, you know, went off in real life, got married and then divorced like a, a week later or something, which was how it went back then. Um so yeah, like I say, it was just it was a, a, a one that I fondly remembered way back when, enjoying because I didn't know. I wish I knew enough about computers way back then to be a bit of a hacker and thought I was cool and look at yeah, I was I was not a hacker. I was, I was terrible at that shit. Um, but again, so yeah, it's just one of those films that I love from way back when. 
but I don't look at it and think, my God, is that a good film? It's kind of cheesy in so many ways, but I'd still still enjoy it. The beauty of hacking in the modern day is that you don't actually have to know anything. You just get hacking tools and then just run them. So you don't actually have to know how to do anything behind the scenes anymore. People mm. make programs that will do the job for you. That's the beauty. Mm. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I... You know what? I I don't I don't know whether I've seen Hackers. I don't really? know I've actually ever seen it, to be honest. Because wow. I, I, I was talking, I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I think all I'm thinking of is, um, a mixture of Johnny Mnemonic and the net. It's called the Sandra Bullock. Which close was being a hat? Was it? She was. She was. Yeah, she was. A tech consultant or something, yeah. and yeah, those two films. She found that like, it was like a backdoor into the net or something like yeah. that. And uh, oddly enough, that was another film which did appear in these top lists. But I was like, Sandy B, like, and and she, she actually does quite well in that. Like, as her big foray into the actiony genre on her own, I thought it was still very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I've not, not got too much knowledge of that one. Oh, right. Go on, yeah, you're first. Come on. With that one first, then. So, my first choice is uh, going to be from 2008 and is the movie Death Race. Okay. So, for those that don't know, Death Race from 2008 is a remake of Death Race 2000, uh, which was in the 70s, I want to say, was made by Roger Corman. Uh, starring Sylvester Stallone. Bizarrely, Roger Corman actually did a sequel to it a couple of years ago mm-hmm. called Death Race 2050 that was apparently complete shit and no one liked at all. Um, but the originals were supposed to be more of a more of a piss take, a spoof, a parody of a satire on society than than anything else. Um, of course, this one is updated for the noughties. and they brought in my favourite man, Paul W S Anderson. <laughs> to direct it. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, I've mentioned Paul W.S. Anderson before due to the Resident Evil films. He directed one of my favourite horror movies of all time, which is Event Horizon. And I don't think he is a bad action director. I think he's pretty damn competent, to be honest. I don't think he's much of a fucking writer, but I do think he's a fairly competent director. Um, So, the the idea with Death Race is that uh, it's in a future... People go to prison. In the prisons, because they're all privately run, uh, they've got to make money. So there's one particular prison that holds a race, a vehicle race, like a wacky race is almost, or Mario Kart, it looks like at times, because there's little uh, pads on the floor that you drive over to collect weapons or defences in your car. Um, And Jason Statham, the film... Oh, right, let, actually, let's leave that for a sec. But uh, the, 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 you get sent to prison, and then when you're in prison, you you can enter the death race, and if you win four races, you are uh, released from your time in prison and allowed to go free, supposedly. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to work. So in this, the our main man is Jason Statham. Of course, I'm a big fan of Jason Statham, so there, <laughs> there you go. There's at least 23% of the reason why I like this film. Um, Tyrese Gibson's also in it, um, and that makes me laugh because they're both they both ended up in the Fast franchise. Um, 
Joan Allen is the, uh, I mean, what, poor Joan Allen, what the hell she's doing in this, I don't know. But she's, she's the head of the prison we're at. Um, and you've even got Ian McShane in it as the head of the mechanic crew for this. So I am just going to set the scene a little bit here because the way this film starts is just something else. So we start with Jason Stath. He is working at a steel mill, which has literally just closed on the day we start listening to. Uh, we, you know, we pick up his story. He is he works a hundred and twenty hours a week. I shit you not. That is one of the lines in it. He works a hundred and twenty, or he has worked a hundred and twenty hours in a week at this steel mill, and has been paid three hundred dollars for his last week of work at this steel mill, which has just gone out of business. And that is some fucking shit luck right there. That is some bullshit. So he goes home to his amazing, gorgeous wife um, and child. And then ends up, someone comes in, kills his wife, frames him for it, and he gets arrested. So that's the start of the film. And we are introduced to our main character in that delightfully happy way. Um, So obviously, Jason Statham gets sent to prison. And then while he's in prison, we discover that there is a driver called Frankenstein in this race who has won three races but died in the previous race. But he is a draw for these races because these races are streamed online um, to you know the public and apparently have 70 million subscribers to this race. Um, because obviously people die, there's carnage, there's death, you know, it's again, it's that satire of the future and people's lust for violence and to see violence and stuff like that um and yeah he he gets asked to come in and take over the role of frankenstein now in in terms of the film itself it's as you would expect uh frankenstein has won three races so statham is told right you've only got to win one more race and then you're fine um and essentially it transpires by the end that joan allen set him up and helped frame him to get him in prison so that she had a replacement for her Frankenstein driver, who is the great ratings draw. But there you go. Um, I I just want to mention the, uh, the the there's like a disclaimer, a view discretion type disclaimer that comes on before the races start, uh, and it's uh, due to graphic content, including but not limited to violence, coarse language, and death. The pro- following program is not suitable for children under eighteen years of age. I just like the violence, coarse language, and death. Sure. Yeah, just spells it out, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm a car person. I like car films. I, I would like never have known. Run. I like the Herbie films, as I've discussed before, because they're essentially, those ones are sort of, they're basically wacky races, live action. This one I like, because as I say, it's basically Mario Kart, and I'm getting to watch real cars go around and do real <laughs> shit in a Mario Kart style. And again, because this is 2008, there's very little CG in it. There's maybe some visual CG flair added to the action, but, you know, much like with Mad Max Fury Road, the, the, the actual stunt work and the vehicles are real mm. and genuine and going in. And that adds so much to it. Because it looks real, it looks gritty, it looks yeah. nasty and crunchy. So you're you're there for the action sequences. Because as I say, he's pretty good at putting together a nice dynamic action sequence. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't say more than that. I 
I really like it. Statham carries it for me. I, I enjoy the interplay between him and Ian McShane and the rest of his little gang of mechanics. And he puts enough sort of little silly twists and turns in there that it makes sense. I mean, fair enough. The big twist of Joan Allen having set him up is kind of obvious from about 10 minutes into him being in the prison. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so, you know, that's fine. They're just playing to the, the stupid end of the audience to make it a bit more obvious. And, you know, for me, they go too far and make it too obvious. But there you go. Um, so, yeah, Death Race, 2008. Don't watch it, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you. I will not be recommending you watch any of these films. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say. I think you know, as we've said before, these are all uh, subjective. No, you know, I mean, I wouldn't uh, recommend anyone watches Death Race because unless you like any of the things. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. No, I'd say I'd say uh, I think one or two of mine. I will certainly say I think uh, people, yes. people should watch. A... Yeah, your next one. Jim. Uh, no, that's my next one. That's that, that, that's okay, I'm that's saving the best for last. I'm saving the best for last. Stop looking. Stop looking, you cheat. But when you've got it displayed on a 14 screen, <laughs> how am I not? Well, I can't help that. You know, my, my, my TV screen is my monitor. Uh, you know, that's how it rolls. Anyway, go on. What's yours then? Okay, so this is the one which you debated and, and wondered whether there may you know, be a I bit of feedback. This is, I thought this was considered a good film because it's this one and one more that he did that he named his production See, the, after. Again, I thought those two were held in quite high regard. Now, this is the thing. Again, uh, doing doing the research that I was, I was surprised to find this on a number of lists. Now, the reason that it was on a number of lists is because of the immaturity of it, and it was also because it was predating a couple of other films that were made, which everybody holds in high regard and a, a much higher comedy regard than this. Whereas I found this to be a lot funnier and my first foray into this actor. So to to put the suspense of what aside for now, uh, the film in question is Billy Madison. Uh, for those who uh, do know, it's the one of the first films that Adam Sandler did. Uh, but this is also predating Happy Madison and uh, the Wedding Singer. Happy Gilmore, sorry. The production company is Happy Madison. Sorry, yes. Or is Happy? No, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Happy Madison. Happy Madison is a production company yeah. named after Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Billy Madison, yeah. That's um, why I, 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 you know, I thought in general consensus that they were good. I've never seen either of them, to be quite honest. Yeah. So uh, Happy Gilmore and uh, uh, the the Wedding Singer and and some other stuff he did afterwards. This was my first foray into Adam Sandler. Now I remember watching this way back when, and I was wetting myself with laughter because. So the premise of this is um, Billy Madison, who is a a challenging individual. Um, he's in his late twenties. You what? Sorry, you can say what that says. Oh, it's not that. It's important to the character. He is. He is a mentally challenged. Okay, he's he's slightly mentally challenged. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's in his he's in his late twenties. He's completely spoiled. He's just like living off of his dad's money. Uh, his dad's like uh, runs a, a chain of hotels, um, and he's a tycoon. And basically, Billy Madison just spends his entire days drinking with his buddies completely fucking around uh you know just doing whatever the hell he likes because what does he care and then one day he kind of walks into a meeting and basically his father's like yeah i'm not giving you company of the uh, sorry i'm not giving you control of the company 
I'm going to give it to Eric Gordon, uh, you know, who's who's the other one, who is Bradley Whitford. And we both love Bradley Whitford. For yes, me. Bradley Whitford. So it. many things, the West Wing, most importantly. And he's so good in this because, again, he is so serious in some things, but you forget the comedy chops that this guy has. Uh, and he's so fucking funny. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, Billy is not happy about the idea that this guy who is constantly just berating him, giving him the finger, just winding him up and stuff like that, pulling faces just to get a rise out of Billy, just to prove that he's completely incompetent. Um, so he he has a, a deal with his father where he has to, because his father has actually been paying for his school, uh, basically passing through all of his school exams and tests throughout his entire life. So he's like, look, I paid for all of your, your schooling and, uh, and you, you never learn a damn thing. So he's like, okay, fine. If I go and go back, from the start all the way and I, I complete all of my school training, you'll give me com- you know, control of the company. So here begins his foray into enrolling at the earliest levels of school, like kindergarten. And uh, he has to learn all the social skills and graces of being a child again, not being a bully, not taking the piss out of kids. Um, and, you know, he becomes a very popular person. He becomes loved by all the girls at various points. He then falls in love with his teacher, uh, played by the uh, beautiful Bridget Wilson, um, who's very intoxicating to to, uh, to Billy Madison, uh, rightfully so. And, um, and yeah, so it, there's just some really weird stuff that goes on uh, within this. And it's his whole attempt to make sure that he can pass school and i'm talking like the early grades where he starts having challenges um because he's been really mod- mollycoddled for his entire life mm-hmm. and so yeah even the most basic of things he finds challenging yeah. but you also see the the real heart and and spirit of him because he sees kids being bullied and he doesn't like it he doesn't like that kind of thing going on. And he's like, why, why is this happening? One of the kids wets himself. And, uh, and so because the kids wet himself, because he's young, he's like, I can't, everybody's going to take the piss out of me. Okay, fine. So he splashes water all over himself. And he's just like, yeah, piss myself. It's what grownups do. So literally like later on, all the kids are walking out of the classroom and every single one of them has wet themselves because they think it's the cool adult thing to do because Billy didn't want a kid to be punished for having had an accident and stuff like this. Um, And eventually it leads to a competition between Billy and uh, and, Billy. uh bradley whitford's character and uh, it's all about you know questions in uh kind of like here's a you know uh, is it jeopardy style yeah jeopardy style sorry yeah uh where they grab a card and it's like oh answer an academic test and some of them are absolutely ridiculous um you know simple stupid questions and then some of them regarding business ethics and things like this um and it's it's just a ridiculous ridiculous film um as i say ridiculous or bad Good ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous in in the concept of a uh, adult male going having to go back uh, and and right, go through that. Yeah, I've not heard that before. We we very often see you know oh you've got to go back and get your GPA off. Yes, you know, and, and that's uh, high school, isn't it? Yeah, not quite first grade through to the yeah, you know high school kind of a thing. Um, again, very well done by by Adam Sandler. This was my first uh, sample of Adam Sandler when I was young, so. Um, for me, this was a lot funnier uh, than than Happy Gilmore because 
it just was. It was a bit more zany. It was this rich guy who could do anything that he wanted. He didn't have to go back to school. He could just piss his entire life away if he really wanted to. Yeah. But it's when he starts to make that concerted effort um, and then, you know, his teacher gets involved because she develops a bit of a crush on him and things like this. And again, it plays out quite well. Um, now, again, it went off and did a quite well at the box office. Um, it was panned in some places by critics others kind of praised it for being a bit out there and again the the foothold for adam sandler getting onto the hollywood ladder i think he'd already done like saturday night live and probably stuff like this yeah, by this point that thing, wasn't he, back in the um day. but again uh, looking through a lot of lists a lot of people kind of rated this as um as as not a very funny film they were like oh this is one of those mid-90s films that wasn't all that good um and I was like, you know what? I think it's one of the best Adam Sandler films. Having watched, uh, you know, Uncut Gems uh, towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, I'm trying to remember when. And you see such a difference in in performance. Adam Sandler is one of the most polar actors of all. You've mm. seen Punch Drunk Love. Fantastic in that. Again, that's... I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler, to be honest. No, not neither it. am I. It's... Personally, if anyone likes Punch Drunk Love, I would point the finger more at uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's mm-hmm. amazing directing mm-hmm. <laughs> and the writing of the movie than I would necessarily yeah. add Adam, Adam Sandler in it. However, having said that, there is, there's a film on Netflix by the Safdies. Yes, Uncut That's Gems. supposed to be very good. Uncut Gems. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but apparently he is supposed oh, to be yeah. very good in that. Oh, my God. Like, it's uh, it's very powerful because... Um, it's not the Ridiculous Six or fucking Little Nicky. No, or no, no, no. Daddy no. again, I don't care. No, no, no. Uh, this is funny because... What's that Murder Mystery bollocks he did with Jennifer Aniston? That was shit as well, part of his Netflix uh, mur- Murder Mystery? Yeah. Oh, yeah, know. it was. You know, I think you're right. I think it was just called Murder Mystery, wasn't it? <laughs> Probably. Like, you couldn't even be bothered to come up with a good title for it. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, no, the Safety Brothers, it's absolutely fantastic, the Uncut Gems. A very, very strong performance by him. Very intense performance by him. Uh, 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 at times, um, I think, I can't remember, probably a, a certain other podcast who, who reviewed it, uh, basically said that he didn't need a, a cup of coffee going into this because it, boom, wakes you up straight yeah. away. Like, he got, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it's a fantastic performance. You looked at, I looked at some of the performances of some of the actors in the Oscars and stuff uh, earlier in the year. And he didn't got nominated. I think he did for uh, the Independence Award or something like that. And he, he won that. And he was like, yeah, you guys are the people that, uh, that, that actually make make the difference. And uh, this means something to me. The Oscar can go fuck themselves, basically, because they're all a bunch of prima donnas. It was very true because, you know, having watched a lot of performances of a lot of people throughout, uh, you know, those films at that point. Man, he's, he he does a performance. So yeah, Uncut Gems is uh, is something to go and see. And that's the thing: the polar opposites of you know, you look at uh, a Billy Madison, and then you you look at something like Uncut Gems, and you can see the range. Not that you would expect that of, of Adam Sandler at all. Uh, but yeah, it's not highly regarded as one of Adam Sandler's best. It's not even regarded as one of the you know funniest films. I think it's just hilarious. Again, uh, I think Chris Farley's in there as well. Uh, the late great Chris Farley. Gang of that David Spade, yeah, uh, and I mean he was Rob Schneider, yeah, yeah, he will have been in there as well. Yeah, even Steve Buscemi's in there. Sure, Steve Buscemi's in there as well, actually. Buscemi, yeah. Oh, see, now I'm thinking of Airheads as well. See, I should have plugged Airheads as well. (laughs) See, this is yeah, we'll have to get round to those one day. Anyway, that was uh, that was my number two. How about you? Um, yes. So, uh, sorry, just to to touch on one point there because you you twig something in my head when you mentioned Bridget Wilson. I was like, mm. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Um, 
I remember her as the daughter in Last Action Hero. Yes. But uh, it turns out that was actually her film debut. Um, and then she went on to do the other stuff. Uh, also, she was in I Know What You Did Last Summer and uh, is married to Pete Sampras. Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fascinating. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, I, I knew her from somewhere. Her birthday's also one day before mine. Um, you suddenly know a lot about this actress. Um, what? Well, because we're here and we've got the setup. I've got IMDb. Oh, okay. You've IMDb'd it. Okay, IMDb'd okay, it. okay. okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I've made a decision that what was going to be my number one is going to be my number two because of a problem with it that I can't let it off for in the modern day. Sure. Okay. Um, it's, it's, you know, on a reevaluation, on a rewatch, I'm like, you know what? I can't let that particular element of it slide. So we will discuss it now in the number two position. Mm-hmm. It is 1998's Lost in Space. Oh, okay. So directed by Stephen Hopkins, uh, written by Erwin Allen. No, that's the TV series. So, okay, here straight away, let's look into why Lost in Space is maybe not such a great film. Oh, Akiva Goldsman wrote it. Right. Helps explain. Uh, just for those that don't know, same person who wrote Batman and Robin involved in quite a lot of Transformers movies writing as well after Orky and Kurtzman left. Um, Wrote loads of really bad TV as well. Anyway, has done some good stuff, but Jesus, it's few and far between. Um, So yeah, Gary Oldman, William Hurt, Matt LeBlanc, Heather Graham. Uh, Any other name names that I can think of? No, I think that covers the main team, doesn't it? Because the kids were the kids and I don't, think i've seen them in much since actually i don't know what they went on to do but um yeah i so i'll assume that everyone knows the sort of lost in space idea uh humanity is killing the earth so we've got to go out into space to find somewhere else to live so we go to um uh they pick a family this family has to set off in jupiter 2 across to the other side of the galaxy to a particular point to build a hypergate so that we can hypergate to this new colonizable world and then we can save the human species. Um, of course, they're... now, essentially, you know, they're, they're, there's, the family dynamic is problematic because the children don't... Well, certainly one of the children doesn't want to go, doesn't want to leave everything behind. Uh, the other child is acting out to try and get attention from his dad because his dad is so preoccupied with launch. The wife is trying to do everything. The daughter is never being seen like the the oldest daughter is never being seen like the dad isn't. Um, and yeah, they set off on this thing. Gary Oldman is the baddie. He ends up uh, getting tricked. He's supposed to stop the ship and and make the mission fail, but he ends up something goes wrong and he ends up stuck on the ship with them off into deep space. Uh, Matt LeBlanc's character comes in at the last minute because uh, they need a new pilot for the mission um and he describes it as an overgrown he describes it as a babysitting job i think because everything's automatic on the jupiter um i the reasons why i like this i mean i like gary oldman and he's hamming it the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, he's a great villain it's, it's brilliant um i i as stupid as it sounds I love the Jupiter 2. I have always loved the Jupiter 2 in that film and the way it looks. I think the ship looks amazing. I also think that even on a rewatch now, I don't know whether the visual effects in the space stuff was 
um, CG or whether it was uh, miniatures and models and stuff mm. or a mixture of both. But it still looks really good to this day. The, the, the you know the actual space mm-hmm. stuff when you see them flying around. Um, you, they encounter the comedy relief blarp halfway through, which is a little chameleon-like creature that the daughter befriends, the youngest daughter. Um, and yeah, it cracks it along at a nice little pace. It never really stops for too long to ask questions that I think maybe it should. I think it sets up a very interesting... But put it this way, when I watched it, I was like, why weren't there four films? And the end I've just watched, why wasn't that at the end of the fourth one? Mm-hmm. Why haven't I actually seen some of the exploration of them being lost in space and stuff? And I always found that bit more interesting because the first thing when they're lost is they see a ship through a, a portal, a time dilation, and they go through it and they examine the ship and it's of Earth make, but they have no record of it. It's got databases of galaxies that they've never seen before. Yeah, it's... And Matt LeBlanc's old crewmate is on this ship because it turns out the ship is from the future. Now, and he's looking for them. That is all the really interesting bit I wish they'd have done a little bit more with. Okay, can I ask, because I'm just obviously looking at the at the cast. Shit, it's him. There you go! See, I thought it was. I was like, hang on a minute, there you go. So for the, for those who don't Absolutely know, I'm just having right. a look. I didn't realise that Lenny James is his sidekick. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's Jeb. Okay. Ah, oh, and I, I, I tell you what, looking at that as well, I hadn't. I'd forgotten that Jared Harris. I know. Older Will. Oh, Rogers. I know. That was it. That's that's where these things are. Been, I suppose, Twenty-two years ago, he didn't look a fucking thing like. No, would he, bollocks? No, would he, bollocks? So that's why. Oh, Mimi Rogers. Sorry, Mimi Rogers. I should have mentioned the mum's name. Uh, because she, she's really good in that. Actually, I really like Mimi Rogers. There's a nice bit where Matt LeBlanc and uh, John Hurt, uh, William Hurt, are having a essentially a pissing contest, and she comes down and chastises them both for splashing testosterone all over the floor and then sets them straight and tells them to fuck off and get on with it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite a nice little sequence. Now uh I think the other reason the other reason I'll say before I get onto the bad point that I have had to consider on a rewatch. Um <laughs> if anyone remembers the band Apollo 440, they did a theme tune for this based on it was a basically a like a dance techno-y version of the original Lost in Space theme tune, I believe, like a remix version. Um, I loved that song in 1998. <laughs> I had it on a uh, single. I bought the single because uh, I, I bought two Apollo 440 singles, Stop the Rock, which was a remix of a status quo song, and uh, and, and Lost in Space. And I still love it now. And it's because I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, yeah, these lines are brilliant. And then I realized, actually, no, you don't know the lines because they they stand out in the film and are good. You know the lines because they're quoted in the song, because it just has snippets of dialogue from the film mm. played over the tune of the song. Um, and <laughs> it just made me chuckle to myself that actually I, I think the film's better than it is partly because of the theme song that went with it. <laughs> but that's the way it is. <laughs> anyway, so final point on this, that and, and, you know, I don't like to do this, and we've discussed this before, that we shouldn't judge previous films by different standards and things, mm-hmm. but I do think there's a line that needs to be drawn, and I do think it, that there are, when you see an example, it is worth pointing out that, look, this is where we were going wrong. Because... Uh, again, it's so it's about female empowerment in the in the thing. 
like I say, yes, there's a sequence where the woman, the mum comes down and chastises the men for being too testosterone and all that shit. The big problem with this film is Matt LeBlanc's character. Yeah, he's a complete and utter misogynistic piece of shit. Yeah, essentially, he spends the entire film coming on to her. She's telling him to know and to go away. Yeah. But he just keeps going and going and going and going. Yeah. And by the end, she basically gives in. Yeah, she relents. And it's like, oh, man, you know what? I can see how we've grown up with a generation of men that don't know what no means. Mm-hmm. Because Hollywood established a, a, a point at some stage that if you are attractive enough as a male, just keep going. They'll give in eventually. So it's funny that you say that because there is a certain series, which you may or may not be currently watching, which actually addresses a similar thing uh, during the whole you know, Me Too thing uh, and basically addresses the fact that if you're a horrible, ugly, disgusting-looking person and you go out to a lady and go, I like your dress, they are going to be offended and going to want to spray uh, pepper spray you in the face. But if you go up and you're a handsome fellow and go, I like your dress, they'll kind of shy and go, oh, thank you. And it's a weird, weird thing, but there's a whole kind of turn on it. Say that every woman is like that in the No, 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 no. You're right, no. there are out there wait until you get to that particular episode and then there will be a lot of subject matter if that is by chance perhaps the the series that you're watching because it it means nothing to me yeah at the moment it doesn't i haven't certainly haven't seen anything along those lines um no but yeah i that that bothered me Mm, because again as as a father to a daughter who's going to end up dating i i was like shit yeah i don't this is bad. He, he's been told no. Why is he still going? Because it's the first sequence. She puts him down, puts him in his fucking place, and he's like, oh, it's going to be a long trip. And I was like, yeah, that's where it should have ended. You were told no. You were put in your place. Then five minutes later in the next scene, he's like, hey, is there room in these pods for two? And she's like, there's no yeah. room. There's barely room for you and your ego. And it's like, yay. You're being a strong woman, batting mm-hmm. him back, but no, because you're giving in in the end. And again, I don't blame the actress. I don't blame Heather Graham for it. It's the writing. The writing is constructed in such a way where he just keeps badgering and badgering and badgering, and finally she relents. And it, yeah, I did, it did not sit well with me on this time round. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, you know, it is probably makes up no more than. All, all of their interactions probably make up no more than 10 minutes of the entire runtime of the film. Yeah. Get it, it still made the list because I do still hold it in a, you know, I, I do still hold some, I hold it in my heart in a particular way and I have a fondness for it because it was, I think as well, it was one of the first big sci-fi franchises. And to me, it was new because I'd never seen the 70s TV show or 60s yeah. TV show or whatever it was. So it was sort of a first foray into a brand new sci-fi franchise in 1998 when I was 14 years old or 16 years old or whatever I was. Yeah, it's a shame that it didn't... uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I can understand why it didn't go off and do sequels and things like this because it it wasn't commercially successful. And again, you know, from from a visual standpoint, there were were faults with it uh, and some of the performances and things like that. As you say, um, it was very misogynistic with with Matt LeBlanc. You could say by the end he'd kind of... I'm not going to say learned a lesson, but he'd learned not to treat women as, as objects and, and objectify them perhaps because 
don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched I, I this one. I get why you say that, but I, I honestly cannot think of a single example yeah. of that because there, there are no times when he, you know, there, 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 there's no point where he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that he yeah, never accepts that he has ever done anything wrong. As I say, he's an attractive man. Therefore, he can push as hard as he likes. Yeah, yeah. Because eventually she'll give up, won't she? The it's just such, such a horrible way to view it, but there you go. Yeah. That's like I say, I... it's a generational difference, and I can see how we've ended up in some situations as to where we are now. I had tried to watch uh, the Lost in Space series, which appeared on Netflix. Um, Again, like I say, clearly, the idea is a good idea. Yeah, uh, the the series is terrible. Uh, I re- I could I struggled to make it through the first episode. Uh, I was very very much committed to making it through the first couple of episodes and then by the time I got halfway through the second I was like this is not this is not the show for me um it wasn't it was it was too family bullshitty uh dramery kind of stuff like oh infighting and oh uh, you uh, I couldn't be bothered with that it's like okay if you're lost in space you get together you get your shit together uh, and you you deal with what's in space not this meandering family dynamic of crap couldn't be bothered with it so if this was your cup of tea i'll encourage you definitely do not watch the tv series that's on netflix that's a that was just that was just kind of a, a, a warning as such more yeah Go on then. so um my top one now this is a film which i where i remember watching it um i was a bit apprehensive because um i'd seen things about it and i was a bit like mm, is this going to be all right or not? And I remember watching it the first time and really enjoying it and going, why was everybody so shit all over this? Um, and it was uh, John Carpenter of Mars or just John Car- uh, Carter. I think it was. I think um, John Carter over here. I would, what was it? I'm John sure it was Carter of Mars somewhere else, but actually no, it does say John Carter, John Carter of Mars, either or it was the yeah. Dis- Disney's John Carter of Mars. Now, before we even get too far into the film, this is directed by Andrew Stanton. Now, Andrew Stanton, at this point, um, had been a writer on quite a number of Disney-related films. He was a director. Yeah, exactly. So he was a writer on Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. He directed Finding Nemo. He directed Wall-E. Yeah, wrote and directed both of them. Yeah, um, I knew he wrote and directed. Yeah, Wally. and he went on and and did uh, Finding Dory, and then helped write uh, Toy Story Four a little bit later. So this is a guy with quite a bit of credence behind him, and they gave him his first foray into live action. And unfortunately, this bombed like nobody's business. This was like the biggest fucking failure of 2012. Um, it was a huge. Was on how much it lost. That always impresses me because the okay, budget yes. took like three hundred million or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Was okay. So the total cost uh, was roughly three hundred and fifty million, uh, including the estimated production budget of two hundred and sixty-three million. So apparently, it was one of the most expensive ever made, and it grossed two hundred and eighty-four million in in the box office. Closer worldwide. than I thought, then, but fuck. Yeah. And hundred million dollar loss, do you? Now this is I mean this is this is a film which is you know based on uh you know hugely popular science fiction um you know and it's surprising um that it, it didn't do better but I think a lot of this was the marketing behind it nobody knew quite what this was 
when you saw trailers for it, when you saw advertising and marketing, nobody kind of explained quite what this film was. And that was, I think, the undertoning problem that, that Disney faced with this. Um, I didn't. I had no problem with the performances. Um, I, I'd seen Taylor Kitsch in a couple of things. I think he'd been in uh, Wolverine Origins as Gambit. Now, I'm not going to say that's a good film because I don't. I, I don't. I don't think any X Men fan would ever say that's a good film. But he actually did an okay performance in there. Um, we've got other characters. Now, I'm going to. I'm going to mention a few names here, and you're going to be like, "What? Mark Strong." I didn't know he was in it. Again, I, I've not seen this one. I haven't okay. seen this one. I listened to the, <laughs> to the, sure. to the, to the thing around it, and it was the length of it, because it's quite long, isn't it? Nearly three it's hours. Uh, about two, two and a bit, yeah. Um, uh, also, Dominic West. Shit, no. Yeah. James Shawfoy. Willem Dafoe. Huh. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, a good, good couple Again, of these. So a lot of these people are yeah. well-respected, established. Yeah. And uh, and also, I, f- I feel very sorry for the actress in this, Lynn Collins, because again, I think she did quite a, ver- a very good job. Uh, of, you know, she's a very attractive actress uh, doing doing the princess role uh, in this film. Unfortunately, she literally did two back-to-back massive bastard bombs. She was also in Wolverine Origins, um, uh, unfortunately, and then she did this. And it was like, no offense, your your career into Hollywood blockbusters could not have gone any worse with two particular films. I mean, don't get me wrong, both films had potential. Unfortunately, one was a complete travesty and just, just destroyed the history of Wolverine. And I'm not even going to go there because that's just a work. That's a bad movie. That's like Airbender and, and Wolverine yeah, kind yeah, of shit. No, there's nothing just redeeming. Nothing, nothing redeemable all. about that. Um, and so I felt really bad for it. But so, I mean, the, the story of this is uh, a guy uh, during the American Civil War and, uh, or I think, yeah, American Civil War-ish. Yeah, American Civil War, Confederate Army, there you go. And um, and so he is arrested um, and then he uh, goes to help um, uh, some people and uh, they're going to take out some Apaches. They go to this cave and this alien, uh, a thern, appears in front of them and uh and accidentally kills uh, you know this this guy carter accidentally kills him but gets transported to barsoom uh which is mars basically yeah and um and so but because of his now this is again funny things because we've touched on this previously uh about bone density and, and gravity which yeah, yeah. throw back to our uh, expanse uh pod i want to say episode 14 and 15 I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. There, you'll find the expanse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, because of his bone density and because of the gravity, he can jump like nobody's business, and he has incredible amounts of strength because this is a very, very low density atmosphere. He's been, you know, where it's a, I think it's a, a half G, whereas we're a full G here, something equivalent of that. Uh, so anyway, he goes and uh, he, you know, eventually he gets taken captive and you know by the natives uh which is um willem dafoe's character and he gets involved a little bit and for me it's actually a really enjoyable fun film because you just take a guy who's from earth throw him on this planet while there's a bit of a civil war going on on this planet as well um at, which is kind of being led by dominic west and uh and mark strong kind of uh in concert that they're, they're kind of cooperating with each other to, to kind of take over the planet and it's about this earthling who comes on and 
because of his feats of uh, strength and, and agility, because of, of, of who he is and where he's from, he is able to help the resistance, as, as it might be, uh, and falls in love with the princess and all of the usual kind of tropes that you would expect from a Disney film. It's, you know, got that kind of feel for it. Unfortunately, this was just so mismarketed. And it's it's not the best in places. There are some, some of the CG bits which are a little bit haphazardy. Uh, but as a, as, a, as a whole, I still enjoy it as, a, as an action film. Um, I think it could have led to a decent franchise. Um, I'm not quite sure where it failed. Uh, like I said, I think it was from the marketing standpoint. But again, even doing the home videos and stuff like that, it just didn't resonate with people. Now, I don't know whether, you know, a series of books, you know, from the, you know, 1917 era, you know, this is the first of 11 books by uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs that that feature this particular character, John Carter. So there's a huge potential for a franchise there. And essentially, Disney just shot, shut the bed with it. Um there's other characters, you know, again, just looking here, David Schwimmer's in there, John Favreau's in there as well. And you kind of, oh. so uh, Brian Cranston is, uh, he plays one of the, the you know, union colonels um, for, for the US Cavalry and stuff like this. So there's, there's a good chunk of people in here. Not quite sure what the hell went wrong with it. Um, but this was a missed opportunity for a great franchise. I enjoy it as a film and I do encourage you to go and watch it. Knowing that it's just a soul film, there's nothing more after that, you might find an enjoyment in it. Or you might come out and go, you know what, I understand why nobody watched this. Um, but I, you know, I switched off when I watched it way back when, and I thought it was a decent film. Um, I had no problems with it overly. I was intrigued to see where the franchise could have gone. Again, you've got great char- uh, great actors. Mark Strong is, is very good as this kind of alien menace. Dominic West as the the uh, you know the arch villain who just goes completely above and beyond what he needs to do. Yeah. It's Dominic West, and I love that. About yeah, him. yeah, absolutely. Um, again, Willem Dafoe is a very when when he does voice work and stuff like that, he always comes across as very nurturing and a very uh, you know sensitive person because he is. You know, you listen to way. listen to the interview. I think he does with um, Simon Mayo. Uh, on what, a particular one? yeah uh, a recent one he did about um his about film with rob there. rob patterson oh the, the lighthouse the lighthouse and oh, yeah. and listening to him talk about that um again he, he, you know he, he doesn't necessarily do stuff certain films for for you know the money obviously he does because you know he was he, he still did spider-man but fantastic in that um, but so you know, when you see people like that in films like this, you kind of go, oh, "Okay, fair play." And like I say, I mean, this was directed by a guy who directed one of my favorite Pixar films ever, and your Pixar films ever. So how could I not give it a bit of credence? I didn't realize quite how much else he'd done within Pixar. To be quite honest, mm. I, I didn't certainly didn't realize he was involved in the writing of the Toy Story stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I knew he was, you know, Wally, but I, again, I didn't realize that he's that he was the man behind Nemo and Dory. So yeah, sadly it was uh, it, it didn't didn't do particularly well. Um, it did uh, apparently in Russia. I don't know what the hell that has to do with anything, but uh, apparently it set an opening day record in Russia. Wow! So there you go. It's not all about the American market. So that was that was my uh, that was my number one. Uh, how about yourself? So to finish this off, then the final film that I shall not be recommending that you go and watch. <laughs> 
features another one of my favorite man crushes. Um, so this time we're going to 2005 and we're going to look at Doom. Oh my God. You are oh God, baby. So Jesus Christ. Have a look at the cast here. I, I am well aware of the cast of so, Doom. We've got, I mean, I said, right, start at the beginning, actually. So this film, if you, I would say I put it alongside, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's as as good. For me, it's a little bit below, but, you know, I know for most people this film doesn't rate anywhere God, near in there. close to being as good as this, at this I, film. Dexter Fletcher, I completely got there. Shut oh up. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> They, um, I think this wants to be something like Predator in sure. terms of its, and Aliens. I see it as similar to those two. And what I mean by that is the amount of testosterone, the amount of beef that we're dealing with in this film. It's a very beefy film. There's some very beefy men with some very crazy ideas. There's obviously a completely lecherous twat who, at one point is going up to women going oh hi ladies i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to strip search you and is just being a total sleaze but thankfully he dies in the end so i can live with that you know what just looking at the cast i am pretty sure he plays that same kind of character oh, this guy yeah yeah okay that's fine is yeah he's he, he plays the exact same type cast that's character. one okay. so i like to say because we got to, we'll get to the men in a minute but rosamund pike is our essentially our main mm-hmm female in this she plays uh, Carl Urban's brother um I'd like to think of her as the feminine guy sorry Carl Urban's brother sorry Carl Urban's sister okay, but yes I like to think of her as the, the the sort of feminine French dressing on this sort of testosterone <laughs> beef and salad um so yes we've then got Carl Urban who I'm a huge fan of I think he's such an incredible actor he, you know he's yeah. phoning it in in here fair enough but I, I do think he's got such amazing range yep. to it. And you actually watch all the stuff that he's been How many up. iconic characters has he played exactly. at this point as well now? Um, Dexter Fletcher, as you mentioned. I can't I forgot Fletcher was in this. Jesus Christ. Um, and then, of course, my main man, The Rock. Oh. Dwayne Johnson playing Sarge. Just Sarge. That's his actual character name on IMDb. Yeah. Carl Urban's character name. I didn't even write it down. Do you know why? Because it doesn't matter! What his name is. Okay, my microphone will definitely have picked that up. <laughs> but I just had to do it. Was, it. I was, it was John Grimm. Oh, I've set myself up it, for that It was one. John Grimm, just, just out of curiosity, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> when, so, I mean, let's be honest, I would struggle to tell you most of the details of the plot of this film. <laughs> they you had that. to go to Mars because they found an ark on Earth in an old thing, uh, you know, ancient archaeology bullshit, found a thing called the ark, transports them when they're in it to a place on Mars, and then essentially, I mean, I know the Doom mythology, so the Doom mythology is that the, the ark connects to hell, and then hellspawn come in through the arc to infect earth and mars but they start on mars and then they get to earth in later games so i know that that's the the, the theme behind it i've also seen the sequel to this which came out about two years ago i think called doom annihilation where they change the uh they change the cast around they try and do a uh, you know a female-led version of it it's not too bad it's it's more let down by the production value than anything else to be quite honest because it just hasn't got anywhere near a sort of budget to to be able to do something um but yeah i 
I couldn't tell you most of the plot. Basically, they have to go to Mars and they have to stop this thing and there's some shit and they have to stop the shit kicking off and then they try and escape because the shit kicks off and they end up back on Earth. And somehow by the end, Dwayne Johnson's got superpowers and oh, God. Uh, Carl Urban's also got superpowers because apparently this thing that they can get infected by chooses based on your psychology. So if you're an underlying evil, essentially, or psychopath, it'll bring out those tendencies in you. Whereas if you're a good, kind, compassionate man, it will essentially make you a benevolent superhero. So anyway, I think what it's trying to do here is, as I said at the beginning, invoke a sort of predator aliens feel in terms of the team that they assemble to go there. They're very much trying to, like I say, aliens particularly, I, I was struck by how much some of the interplay between them sounds like Apone talking to his guys mm-hmm. when they're going down to investigate the, the sort of alien hive in Aliens. Um, problem with that is that other than Carl Urban and Dwayne Johnson, n- no one's actually important in no. that squad, and it kind of shows. Um, there's a character called Destroyer, um, who's a big black fella with a chain gun. Um, think, ooh, is it Jesse Ventura's character in Predator that has the main chain uh, minigun? No, actually, I think it's the black character. Or is it Carl one. Urban? Uh, sorry, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. That's no, no, no. There's a big bald fella. Yeah, it might be. It's not Carl Weathers because Carl Weathers is like the team leader for Predator. It's one of the crew. But again, he's a big black guy. And that's again why it's making the connection for me because they've used exactly the same type of gun and exactly the same type of person. So it, it creates that dynamic for me. But um, anyway, he's called Destroyer. He's brilliant. There's a fight at the end where he's fighting one of these doom beasts. And it is one of the most stupid slash hilarious, brilliant fights you'll ever see. Um, there's no CG or anything. Obviously, the doom thing is a guy in a suit looking like a, a reject from a Buffy audition. Um, or Power Rangers, maybe. Um, but there's a bit where he actually swings an old, like, must be a... 15 17 inch crt monitor around on the end of a chain and then swings it into the doom beast like that's going to hurt him it's fucking stupid um and then it did occur to me while i was watching it that it's supposed to be 2046 why are we still using crt monitors in 2046 We've advanced past that already. It's 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 the one thing with like, uh, unfortunately, when you do go back and watch some oh, yeah, films I, and I, things I, like that, it, it, it is. Oh god! Yeah, it's uh, you know yeah. where where they've got like these huge monitors and they're like clicking with a little with a little pen, like clink clink clink. Oh god, yeah, it's. Well, all I would say, thinking about it, actually, the Lost in Space computer graphic-y stuff on the panels still looks really good. That they looked really modern and fresh. And they stuff. went down the kind of Star Trek touch console kind yeah, of route, exactly. didn't they? Which but it's is like even they, when they find the future ship in it, the computer reacts faster mm. because the technology is more modern. That, that sort of silliness in there. Um, so anyway, we end up with this thing, and obviously all the crew die, and we end up with a big fight between the benevolent superhero Carl Urban and the evil baddie super-powered Dwayne Johnson. Um, and they've both got super strength, so of course it's it's just you know throwing people all over the place. I kept waiting for the rock bottom, but he didn't do one. He doesn't do a rock bottom. No, <laughs> this time you see, it was still around the sort of Scorpion King time. It was just after did that. Did he do, do what? I know he so did one only. They tend to do their finishers or their signatures. I've only seen the 
in, don't they? I've only ever seen him do it once. Okay. Uh, which was in the Star Trek Voyager episode, ah, um, at, which recently got completely slated on uh, on, on a certain cultaholic podcast, which I was not impressed by. It's like, guys, you may not be Star Trek fans, but we were, and it was actually quite cool that The Rock was in that. And it was his forced foray into acting. So, like, go fuck yourselves. Um, and... Um, it um, since then you don't really see many uh, many wrestlers and things like that doing their moves. I think in uh, Master Z, Master yep. Z, we did see a certain a wonderful Batista. Um, he did a Batista. Um, he did a Batista bombing that, and I absolutely wet myself because I was like, "Oh, brilliant! He did one." I don't think we'll ever see Drax do a Batista bomb. No, I don't, uh, think so. they're, and they're I don't think that would work. Yeah, you're not a wrestler when yeah. you're with us. Uh, so yeah, no, 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 no rock bottoms from from the Rock there. Um, so yeah, um, my one of the favorite my favorite bits in this is uh, the, the the sequence that if anyone knows about the film, you probably mm. know of it due to this sequence. Uh, but there is somewhere around, I want to say, a nine-minute sequence um, at the end when Carl Urban first wakes up with his superpowers that is entirely first-person. Mm. And is, is you know, the idea is to invoke the Doom video game. Mm. So it goes off with you're sat on Carl Urban's gun and you're watching him walk through the corridors and shoot the baddies and stuff. Um, and it, it puts a typically Doom-esque heavy metal soundtrack over the top. Um, I really like that sequence. Now, I do know that that sequence um, was uh, originally longer, but apparently they... uh, So so the rumours were that in the test screenings, the length of the sequence, because it was something like 15 minutes instead, actually made people ill. Okay, it's only a four-minute sequence. Okay, so fair enough. It was maybe a nine-minute sequence in the cinema then, and they cut it down to a four-minute sequence. But apparently it it made people physically sick because they weren't used to seeing Mm -hmm. films in that way. Um, Which is funny because if you think the sheer number of, uh, you know, online players now for especially things like, you know, Call of Duty and every other first-person shooter now, there would probably be people that would go to the cinema and be like, oh, this is just the norm for me. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think it would get the... Yeah, I, I don't think people would react in the same way today. No. Um, but at the time, it, it was fairly new. Um, sorry, I'm slightly distracted now, because he's actually just put... I was just curious. I was just. It was just more of a, uh, a reminder of, of, of how it went. I'll turn it off. I'll turn it off. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've, you know, I, I'm not going to say this film's brilliant. Um, they get the, the typical line-in of the BFG. Obviously, the BFG is the the main gun in it that you get at the end, the biggest gun. It's called the big fucking gun. That's what it, BFG stands for. But it's weird in this that they they call it when you see when Dwayne Johnson's character first finds it, it's called the Bioforce gun. And then later on, Dwayne Johnson decides to go back and get it, and he's like, "That is a big fucking gun." So you get the right name mm-hmm. for it in the end, but mm-hmm. they don't actually call it the right name. But yeah, I I got nothing more to say. I really like it. It's mostly Carl Urban and Dwayne Johnson that I like from it. I like that sequence. I think again, it cracks along at a good pace, which means you never you're never sat there picking it apart for too long before it decides to kick off and and get going again. Um, but yeah, there you go. That that is my favourite bad movie, Doom from 2005. <laughs>
And no, I would not say that's the best video game adaptation. No, <laughs> uh, that's oh, that's a question for another day. That's that is a, that is a yeah, very good point. Very good point. I, I already know that one's coming. <laughs> um, so yeah, any 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 more to say? No, as always, uh, our decisions uh, and our opinions are always subjective. We uh, always encourage you to take part in the conversation. Let us know your thoughts on your best bad movie. Uh, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Um, are there any are there any clear outstanding films that we've completely omitted and completely forgotten about? Because often is the case that we kind of go away from this. And then we go, oh shit! I remember. Oh, I forgot to mention about that. Oh, I forgot to mention about that. Yeah. So but yes, uh, you can let yeah. us know at facebook.com forward slash the screenmasters. Uh, you can tweet us at the sm underscore pod. Uh, you can even go over to the YouTube if you want to leave a comment over there. Bit.ly forward slash fightbackyt or on the podcast platform of choice you're using. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Give us a star rating if that exists. Give us a follow. You know, join in. We are continuing to push on and we shall be back for another episode in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think that's about it for now, then, on our little tour through shit films. Um, I don't think I've got anything else to say apart from, remember, ladies and gentlemen, as always, hashtag fuck the Snyder Cut. Fuck the Snyder Cut. Fuck the Snyder Cut. Um, but with that said, I think I shall say I've been Bav. I have been Fluff. And this was Screen Masters. <laughs>